this mini-series, this little mini-series, three parts to it, really is an Advent series where we're looking at the coming of hope, the coming of joy, and the coming of peace. As followers of Jesus, we receive hope, we receive joy, we receive peace into our lives. And here's the awesome thing about it. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on whether we're having a good time or a hard time. It's got nothing to do with that. We receive from God joy, hope, and peace regardless of our circumstances. That's what it is to know true biblical hope, true biblical joy, and true biblical peace. So today we're going to look at true biblical joy. How does that sound? Hopefully it'll make you full of joy. I want to look at particularly how does joy happen in our lives in the midst of pain and suffering because the reality is if you live in this world, and we all do, surprise, you're going to face pain and suffering at some point, but how do you have joy in the midst of pain and suffering? And that's a big question. I reckon that's a big question for people in the world today, is the question, is God good? And how do you have joy in the midst of pain and suffering? When we talk about joy, don't you find it easy to talk about what joy isn't, rather than what joy is? For example, joy is not an emotion. Joy is not the same as happiness. It's not based on ups and downs. It seems easy to talk about what joy isn't, rather than what joy is, because to try and explain joy, you've almost got to give the gospel message all around who Jesus truly is. So what is genuine joy? Well, I've tried to put it into four phrases just to kind of help you with my understanding of what joy can look like. The first is this, to have strength from God to face anything. Joy, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So joy gives us strength from God to face absolutely anything. And I mean anything that comes our way. The second is to know that you are blessed in everything, in absolutely everything. In other words, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, the blessings of God are still there. It's to have an immovable knowledge of God's love. No matter what you're facing, whether it's shaky times or not, it's an immovable knowledge that God absolutely loves you, even in the midst of your pain. And that's what brings a strong sense of identity and security into our lives as followers of Jesus. No matter what people say about you, no matter what other people say on any topic whatsoever, you can know that God loves you. And here's the fourth thing. Joy has nothing to do with what you have. Nothing whatsoever. And that's the distinctive of joy over happiness. Joy comes from knowing what can never be taken away from you. Temporary things give us happiness. But joy for the believer is based on the understanding of what can never be taken away. So what do I mean? Do you want some concrete examples of this? They can take, someone does, that's good, Ange. Well, they can take your job, Ange. It's a temporary thing, but they cannot take God's purpose from your life. Joy remains regardless. They can take a relationship from you, but they cannot take God's love from your life. They can even take your health. Who knows that one? They cannot remove God's grace from on your life. They can even take your life, but they cannot take God's eternal promise of eternal life for you and me. Joy remains no matter what comes our way. Are you seeing the distinctive of joy over happiness? Who's happy with their sickness? Who's happy with a broken relationship? Who's happy with a loss of job? None of us are, but joy is not based on those things. They cannot take joy 
from our life. So what's your scripture and verse for that, you ask? Well, Life Church, you ask the best questions. And I want to answer it for you this morning with just three words. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 out of the New Living Translation says, Always be joyful. Always. Do you like that word? Can't it just say rejoice? Or can't it just say be joyful? Why the word always? Always be joyful. That always word can be annoying when you're going through trials and struggles and pain. But Paul the Apostle said, always be joyful. He was writing to the church at Thessalonica because Paul understands the distinctive of joy over happiness. Paul's the guy that can be beaten or put in jail and he can still praise throughout it all. Paul knew the distinctive of joy over temporary happiness. That's why he could say, always be joyful. He knew joy had nothing to do with the circumstances that we're going through or the things that we're facing. Paul understood true biblical joy. So he was able to say, in the midst of anything, always be joyful. That's pretty cool. Because he knows that Jesus came to give us genuine joy that can never be taken away. That's why you can say, always be joyful. In other words, let your joy shine no matter what. You want to see a distinctive in the Christian life? Here's one of them. In fact, we're speaking on three of them, hope, joy, and peace. In the midst of the trials that everybody else faces, the distinctive of the Christian life is that things that remain in our hearts during those things are hope, joy, and peace. And those shine in the midst of storms. And Paul says, always be joyful because your joy is an incredible witness to a world that is struggling to find joy. They might find happiness and it's temporary, but to find eternal joy, that remains. That is what the world is truly looking for. It's the distinctive of the Christian life. So how do we have that kind of joy? Well, the truth is, if you're waiting for perfect circumstances to have joy, you'll be waiting a long time. Maybe if you're waiting till you get perfect, is anyone waiting till they're perfect before they have joy? You might be waiting a while, or you might get two minutes if you're lucky between moments of asking for forgiveness. You might get a couple of minutes of being perfect, but joy's not based on that. So how do you find the kind of joy that lasts through difficulties? How do you find it in this imperfect and sometimes ugly world? How do you find joy? Well, isn't that the message of Christmas? Isn't the message of Christmas that God came to bring joy into that exact kind of world? That's what the story of Christmas is. God came. He is Emmanuel, God with us. See, at the malls this year, you'll find people, there's such a busyness and a buzz in the malls. Not that I know because I've avoided them so far, but I can only imagine. But people are buying gifts for their loved ones. Why are they buying gifts? They, they hope that gift, not only because they love them, will somehow bring some joy into their hearts. And all the while, debt is increasing on the credit card. But here's the truth. This might be disappointing for some of you, but the mall and the gifts that you buy cannot bring people true and genuine joy that they're hoping for. Because joy cannot be bought. So I want to spend a little time talking about where true joy comes from. We can do what we can do. And, and what I want to look at is that the first Christmas 
There's three groups of people in the first Christmas. There's the shepherds, there's the wise men, and there's Mary and Joseph. And we're going to look at their story and how that impacts our story. See, the shepherds talk about joy. The wise men talk about joy. And Mary and Joseph talk about joy. And that joy is still our true experience today. Do you believe that? Let me prove it to you. Romans 15 verse 4. For everything. Everybody say everything. Everything Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the accounts of scriptures are still real for us today. So whenever you read a Bible story, whenever you read something in the word, it's not just for them. Back then, it's for you today. It was written to give us hope. It was written to give us joy. It was written to give us peace and to encourage us today, not just 2,000 plus years ago. So what happened to them happened for us. There's an encouraging thought. And they each have something to teach us about joy today. If you stop and think about the first Christmas, wasn't the first Christmas good news? Wasn't it incredible news? In fact, it was headline-worthy news. And it's still good news today. It hasn't lost the power of its news. And if we were to try and get the good news out, we would need some catchy headlines in the 21st century, wouldn't we? We'd need something that would capture the attention to get people to click online and actually read the article. You'd need some kind of catchy headline. Well, apart from you being a headline to the Christian life, I thought I would come up with some catchy headlines that might get people to kind of click on and read the good news. Because if they're going to receive true joy, they've got to know the good news of what Christmas is all about. Here's a couple of headlines for you this morning that would capture the attention, hopefully get them to click on the article. My baby is here to save the world, says a virgin. Here's the next one. Three ridiculous gifts to give at your next baby shower. What these crazy shepherds did will shock you. Here's my favorite, though. This is my favorite one. Who's the daddy? Woman claims God. Fiance says he's not mine. There's a story that people are going to want to read about. So in light of these headlines, I want to give you some truths that will bring you joy this Christmas. Perhaps not the way you usually think about joy coming into your life, but they come from the people involved in the very first Christmas. And the first one comes from the shepherds. And here's the thought that we take from the shepherd's life. Joy is sent. Joy is sent. It's not something that you spend the rest of your life trying to discover. Now the world is, but as a Christian, it's not. we're not going to spend our life trying to find joy or trying to discover it. It's something that God sends into your life. He sent joy into the shepherd's life, and he sends it into our life today. Look at Luke 2, verse 8 to 12. You know this really well. It's the Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. God sent good news to the shepherds that would bring great joy for all people. So God sends his joy into your life through the good news of who Jesus Christ is. 
That's how you receive true biblical joy is when you have a revelation and an understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. That's the good news. A Savior has been born. It's going to change everything on the face of the earth. And it has, and it's changed it for you and me. That's good news. And it brought great joy into the hearts of the shepherds. See, the good news is sent by God for you and I, and it's still true today. And it's what gives us a true sense of joy this Christmas. Now, some people think to be joyful is to ignore all the bad stuff going on in the world. I'll just pretend the world's a good place. I'll just think, actually, no, you know, the world isn't bad. It doesn't have bad people in it. It's a good place. I'll think, yep, it's a good life that we've got living in the earth today. And begin to try and somehow encourage themselves that the world is good. And maybe if I can do that, then I could be a joyful person. Because looking at the news, if I watch that, I don't know how much joy I'll have. So I'll pretend that stuff's not there. And I might be a joyful person. No, they're not a joyful person. They're blissfully unaware of what is truly going on. Joy is recognizing that in the midst of the reality of our lives, and a lot of us have faced stuff, God is here. That's the good news. In the midst of what you're facing, even this Christmas, God is here. God has not abandoned us. God is with us. It's knowing that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Then there are others who think joy is being lucky. If I could win the lotto, or even just the Coca-Cola prize pack. The reason I mention that one is because I've entered that one, and I'm hoping to win it. I have 500 entries into it right now, and I'm hoping to win it. Maybe it's lucky. Maybe if I won lotto and won a million dollars, I could be full of joy. But I don't feel like Jesus came, so there was a one in 10 million chance that we would discover joy. And actually, if you study people who have won lotto, there's a lot of them, a high percentage of them that don't have any even happiness, let alone true joy. He didn't send it for that one in 10 million chance. The good news was to be great joy for all people. It wasn't for some. It was for all. I don't believe the word all is in the Bible. If it wasn't truly for all, it was for all people. It was good news sent by God for everyone. It's not some experience or product that you can buy. If it was, then you could create joy from within. But joy was not created from within. It was sent from above. And it's the good news of who Jesus is. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Have you ever thought of the difference between good news and great joy? I wonder what it's like for you. See, if you came to me today and said, Carl, I I got a million dollars this week, I'd say that's good news. That's good news. You got a million dollars. However, if I got a letter in the mail saying I got a million dollars, it goes from good news to great joy for me. Why is that? Because now it's personal. It's not a distant story. It's personal. And that is the good news that brings great joy. It was never meant to just be some nice story. It was meant to be personal. He's the personal Lord and Savior. And he died for you. He came. He lived. He died for you. He's here for you. He loves you. He came for you personally. And that's what makes it good news that leads to great joy. There are a lot of people that think Jesus is a good person. In fact, we were watching a movie the other night where a niece was talking with her uncle. She had lost her mum, and she's standing chatting to her uncle. And she says to her uncle, do you believe in God? And he says, well, you know, that's, I don't really, actually. But, but people have faith. You have to have faith to believe in something that doesn't exist. And she says, well, do you believe in Jesus? And his answer is interesting because he says, well, he's a good man, so follow what he did. And he, that's his advice 
to his niece. He could recognize Jesus was a good man and you should do, but that's not personal. Knowing that Jesus is a good person doesn't make it personal. It doesn't lead to personal great joy. It's from having a relationship with him in the midst of what you face that gives you great joy, that Jesus is here, that God is in the midst of what I'm facing. It was always meant to be personal. The good news that brings great joy was sent for you personally. Jesus Christ is the good news for you personally today. When you recognize Jesus was not just sent for the world, he was, but not just. He was sent for you then all of a sudden the good news does become great joy. The good news of uh, Christmas must be personal. It can't just be a nice story. When it's personal, it brings with it great joy, and it's sent into your life. So we learn from the shepherds that joy is sent from above, not generated within. Here's the second thing. Joy is a journey. Joy is a journey. Joy is a process. We don't like the word process, do we? But for me, it's a process of the application of truth to the things that we face. What am I trying to say? I'm not really sure, but I'll try and explain it. In the face of what you're facing and what you're going through and what is happening in your life, it's when you have the application of who Jesus is in the midst of the storm that you find joy amongst your trial. It's when you know that God is good no matter what and you have the truth in your heart that God is good, that in the midst of loss and pain, you can still have joy, but it's a process. Joy doesn't always happen in an instant. Does it happen in an instant for you? When you face pain and suffering and trials, do you instantly feel joyful? No, you don't. It's not always instant. In fact, the longer you live as a follower of Jesus, the more your joy increases. And the reason I can say that is because you begin to see the truth of who Jesus is outworked faithfully time and time again. The application of truth to your circumstance fills you with great joy. And so you've seen the outworking of truth in your life. Process is not a word that we like. I know that. Yet the journey of faith is a process, is it not, of transformation. It's not instant. It's a process. And joy is a journey. We can see with the wise men. We know they journeyed from the east. In fact, they saw a star in the far off distance, which indicated to them that the king was to be born. And they choose to follow the star. They go on a journey to find the savior. And it's when they get to Bethlehem that they see the star in its most brightest and magnificence that they could ever have seen it. Here's the star. And the Bible says, then they were filled with joy. Matthew 2 verse 10. When they saw the star, having arrived in Bethlehem, they were filled with joy. But they went on a journey to discover it. So that they traveled long and they were filled with joy. For them, it was a process. For them, it took time. For the shepherds, it was instant because they received the good news from the angels. But for the wise men, it was a journey that they had to take. It wasn't an instant transaction. Now, the Bible shows us process to be true. Have a look at Psalm 30, the second part of verse 5. Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Life has tears. Life has pain. Then out of those tears, as we spend time with God and recognize that he is here in the midst of it, joy comes. Jesus taught this himself to his disciples before his death. Jesus never expected the disciples to not grieve his death. He was going to die. 
He was going to be dead for three days before he rose again. They did, he, Jesus wasn't expecting the disciples to somehow just be happy and joyful and remain okay right through that process. He expected them to grieve loss. You're expected to grieve loss. You're expected to have moments in your life where it's pretty tough and you've got to grieve loss. Jesus himself was teaching it. Look at John 16 verse 20. Very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. In other words, the process will take place. They're going to see the resurrected Lord and Savior. That day is coming. Day three, that's coming. They're going to see the Savior has been raised from, from death to life, the truth and the application to their circumstance. But they're going to journey through grief for three days. But on the other side of it, when they see the resurrected Savior, joy will come. Yes, the world might celebrate, we killed him, he's dead. But they will receive joy when they see the truth that their Savior has been risen or been raised from the dead. That's good news. And it brings great joy. My experience, even in the last week, is joy is a journey. And you can find that you can cry your way to a place of joy. Seems like a funny thing to say, really. But what I mean by that is when you are desperate, when you are at a low point, even in the midst of your tears, it forces you to turn to the only hope, the only true hope that you genuinely have, and that is the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. When you turn to Him in the midst of pain, even in the midst of tears, joy returns because you remember and recognize that God is here in the midst of what I face. It's not always instant. Sometimes it's a process and it takes time. But out of that, he brings a new kind of joy that is above the circumstance that you're facing. People make the mistake, don't they, in the midst of pain to try and find instant fixes or instant joy. None of you in this room do this at all. They try and fix the problem here and now. Look for a quick fix. Look for a new thrill. Look for a new high. Even look for a new relationship and somehow end up worse off. Joy is a process of knowing God is with you in the journey of life. Pain, suffering, and all. It's a process. It's not an instant fix or quick good feeling. The cliche here is, I like cliches, but here's one. The key to any journey is the first step. That's pretty cliche, isn't it? But the first step towards genuine joy in the midst of the storms is the knowledge that God is here. That's what makes Christmas so wonderful. We know he is Emmanuel, God with us. It's good news in the midst of anything we face. It was good news at Christmas over 2,000 years ago, and it's still good news for us this Christmas, 2017. God is with us. He is here, and he is with you regardless of what you are facing. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the third thing this morning. Joy is a choice. Do you like these? Joy is a choice. In Mary's story, hang on and listen and see how we go with us. Mary's story, there is a guy who pops up named Simeon. Now, Simeon's not someone you might recognize. You may not hear much of him in the Christmas story very often because his words are not as encouraging as the angel's words. And so many people don't speak about Simeon at Christmas. In fact, Simeon pops up 
in the temple at Jesus' dedication. And he was going to arrive to Mary and Joseph, and he was going to bring a blessing to this son, Jesus, to this child, Jesus, this Messiah. And he comes, and his words are not as inspiring as the words that we would like. But listen to the words that Simeon brings. Luke 2, 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. They're encouraging words at a dedication. He's going to cause many to fall. What a great uplifting thing to say. Thank you, Simeon, for bringing your blessing at Jesus' dedication. But actually, Simeon is speaking the truth about joy. There are some that will hear the truth about who Jesus is, and they will fall. There are others who will rise and experience the great joy of the good news. You see, as we see the story unfold and the truth of it, the ones who fell were the ones who already seemed to have the power. In other words, they already felt like they had made it or had something to hold on to and not give up. So it was kings. It was kings like Herod that fell. It was religious leaders like the Pharisees who fell because they were hanging on to what they already had. But it was the people. I want you to get this this morning. It was the people who recognized that Jesus came to give them something they did not already have that found great joy. You understand the truth of that? It's not about what you have. It's about what you don't have that only Jesus can give you. The same is true for us today. You and I need to realize that sometimes the scary thing about true joy is that we have to let go of something that we're holding on to that we thought would give us real joy in order to take hold of the true joy that only God can give. For us, that can be scary in our humanness. So you can build your whole life on a plan of education or build your whole life on a career or build your whole life on a marriage or a family or on any number of things and think somehow this will give me a sense of joy but find that it's not happening. Joy's just not coming into my life. And Jesus comes, and here's what Jesus says. I want you to have a great family. I want you to have a great career. I want you to have a great marriage. But that is not where joy is going to be found. The joy is found in your connection and relationship with me. And by the way, even if you have an awful family or a horrible situations in your life, or you've been through things, you can still have genuine joy because it comes from a connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't be found in finance. It can't be found anywhere other than out of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that because it puts us all on the same playing field. We're each in need of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder as we consider genuine joy this year, if there is something we need to let go of in order to take hold of true joy. Maybe this Christmas, scary or not, we need to throw ourselves into our relationship with Jesus afresh, to prioritize that over anything else that we've been clinging to for joy. The place of true joy is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the good news that leads to great joy. So my question for you this Christmas is, what are you holding on to for your joy? Is there something you need to let go of in order to find true hope in Jesus Christ? As the worship team comes back, true joy comes from knowing the truth of who Jesus is. 
Jesus Christ is the good news. And that's what brings us great joy this Christmas. And not just this Christmas, but every other day. Anything else is a counterfeit. And the world has many counterfeits to what true, genuine joy looks like. But when you know what Jesus has done for you, when you know that he came to earth, he lived a perfect life. He sacrificed it for you and I upon the cross so we could be forgiven for our mistakes and for our sin. So we could have a relationship with God the Father without religion, guaranteeing us eternity in heaven with him, free from pain and suffering. That, my friends, is good news that leads to great joy. Would you stand with me as I pray this morning? God, we are so grateful, so grateful for what Christmas means for us. Because of Jesus, we have genuine hope, genuine joy, and genuine peace. We thank you that knowledge of who you are, understanding of who you are, revelation of your life gives us and brings us true joy. I pray today that again we would be reminded of what we have access to because of Jesus. This Christmas, we determine to lift up the name that is above every other name. We lift up the name of Jesus for the reason we can celebrate regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we have or what we do not have. I pray the truth of Jesus would be refreshed to us again this Christmas. It's still good news for us. And Holy Spirit, right now, I ask you would refresh this good news in our hearts. Holy Spirit, right now, would you make the story of Christmas again personal for us? Lord, I pray that this Christmas would not come and go, but that in this Christmas we would remember again the the power of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ at a personal level. Would you just refresh to us that sense of knowing you again in our hearts, knowing what it meant when you came. You are Emmanuel, God with us. Knowing what it was when you lived and then you died upon that cross, taking the sins of the world, the mistakes that we've made upon yourself, that we, Lord, could live righteous lives and be in right standing with you. We recognize that Easter happened because of Christmas. We thank you, Lord, today. Would you just refresh to us the story of Christmas? Make it personal in our hearts again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.